Welcome to Headshots by Peggy Presents, a weekly podcast designed to encourage, inspire, and educate people in the industry. Our host, Peggy, is the most industry-savvy headshot photographer I know. She shares insights and interviews top industry professionals. New episodes every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Welcome to Headshots by Peggy Presents. I'm Peggy, and I am here with Laura Gardner, and we are going to have so much fun today. So Laura, I'm really happy that you're here today. This is my first podcast back from the break. I took like a little break. So we're, are you, you're the first guest on the new season. I'm honored. So we're starting off strong. (laughs) So you've been on my show before and we love you and you Uh, are, I don't even know you're, you're a veteran actor, you stage film theater. I mean, you've done it. You've done it all commercials. Um, you're also a coach and you have quite a training, you know, acting training history. So why don't we start talking about all of that? And then we're going to go into some other things. My training. Well, you being a trainer, you worked at, um, where you worked for several years and I just went blank. This is why this is a great, it's, it's okay. I, 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 um, well, I, I first, uh, was teaching at, um, uh, a number of places at uh, uh, Rutgers University where I trained with Carol Rosenfeld, who uh, was um, running uh, and uh, actually is still a major um, uh, force at Herbert Berghoff Studios in New York City. And that's where Uta Hagen, who was one of my teachers along with Carol Rosenfeld taught. And that's where I trained with Carol at Rutgers actually at HB Studio, and then she ran the graduate program at Rutgers. And so she has been my one of my mentors and best friends for um, well over um, 40, almost 50 years. I mean, because I was very, very young when I started you studying were infancy, with her. obviously. I was, I was infancy. Yeah, yeah. And so I started, I, I always say I started teaching when I thought I could control people. So I started really teaching when I was 16. And <laughs> I went from uh, acting and teaching, and I was uh, doing a lot of private coaching when I was in New York City, and then I um, and at Rutgers, and then at George Street Playhouse, and I was whenever I was working out of town, I would start classes, and I was teaching when I was uh, at North Carolina School of the Arts, and when I was in uh, a theater in Nashville, Tennessee. And so no matter where I was, I was always teaching. And ultimately, when I moved to Los Angeles, I met Howard Fine and was part of his faculty for over 19 years. And during the time I was with Howard, I was still, anytime I went out of town, and that included, I did um, uh, a play in Wales. And while I was there, I did a couple of workshops in Wales, in New Mexico, in Santa Fe, and Albuquerque. I was teaching workshops. And I still am on Zoom. Since the pandemic, I have been doing Zoom classes. Uh, Howard and I uh, decided that after 19 years that it was time for me to not just do my classes on my own uh, part-time, but I've had a thriving business on my own since um, uh, a bit before the pandemic. And I found that the work that I do, which is based in Stanislavski, Uta Hagen, Carol Rosenfeld, Laura Gardner, is really um, suited for many different um, uh, things, whether it's film, TV, stage, uh, life. And so it wasn't uh, really conducive for me to stay 
within uh, Howard's studio because I really wasn't um, feeling connected in a way that really was free for me to be in one school. Mm -hmm. I needed to expand and to feel a freedom in the way I was working and with my students that didn't feel like it was regimented. So how important is it for an actor to train different, you know, like you've, you've trained under different people. I mean, you're, is it like, hey, you need to find something that works for you and stick with it, or you need to be really rounded and balanced and really, really get different things? I know you offer, I mean, I feel like you are so balanced and rounded already that you kind of, you don't just teach one, like, this is, this is the only way that life has to happen. It's like, this is, these are different aspects. Well, I, I studied, um, you know, the major training that I have is still based with Stanislavski and was with Uta Hagen's work, but I still, I trained vocally. I am a singer. I was a musical comedy singer. And I have to say to anybody out there, I was not a very disciplined singer. And so I had uh, vocal damage because I thought I knew it all. And I would also say that during the years in my training, as well as in my acting, that um, and performing that I have never stopped training that well into uh, my 60s and then I've passed the, the big uh, years, um, not big years, but I have still been in training as has my mentor, Carol. We have been training. I've been studying with Jessica Hecht, who's a wonderful teacher and actor and a friend now as well as Austin Pendleton, who is a wonderful director and actor and friend. And I find that the, the more I teach, the more I act, that the more important it is for me to get training, that the more possibility I have in my work to expand and to not get stuck in what are really, really bad habits. And you're, you're never too old to, um, to learn something new. And it's, that, that would be the life lesson overall, that there's so many different possibilities that it's, it's too easy to get limited and to think that, that I have the answers. And the work that I've done during the pandemic is probably some of the best work I've done because I've been willing to be teachable. And I think that's um, in everything. Like once you stop learning, you, you kind of, you stop, like life stops really. Yeah. So yeah. why stop? And I, I know that, you know, I interview a lot of people on here and we just, you know, have a lot of friends. And that's the one thing I always see is the actors that are still working are still training. Yeah. Like you, they're never like, oh, I've, I've achieved it. I'm, I'm great. They're always learning yeah. and struggling and striving mm -hmm. and pushing themselves. So I think that's important for, for people to really understand. So you did a Broadway show. You did several off-Broadway shows. You traveled with shows across, like talk about some, how important is it to get that stage training? How important is it if you are, you know, working on television and film, how important is that foundation on stage to help all, every, every aspect of your, your career? Um, Besides the fact that it's just fun. I mean, I love the stage and I still, um, there's just nothing like doing uh, a play. And I just finished doing uh, a play that was done for Zoom. And in fact, the last, since the pandemic, I've probably done four or five plays that were done for Zoom. And I've done a number of readings that were on stage. I haven't had the, um, what I will say about working on the stage is that you are, um, 
I have been trained and the, the people I work with have trained to find the continuity in the life. So it's not just this, these little snippets. It's not just living in my head for these short little scenes, but there is a life that is created before, during, and after the scene. So when I'm in uh, within the scenes, whether I just finished doing uh, Law and Order SVU and we shot out of the uh, order and the first scene that we rehearsed and then shot was with Mariska Hagedy and Octavio Pisano, who are just really lovely people. And they were very complimentary and they're not accustomed to having people who actually come with a life who are really focused. They're used to people who are coming and not all of them, I'm sure, but a great deal of people who just come and they're just there and they're doing their lines and they're hitting their marks and they're sort of bland because you can get away with that with TV because of uh, the editing and because of the music. And I come with a full life and the excitement is being able to live in the moment and to find different possibilities. And I was lucky enough to have a director, Bethany Rooney, who would say things uh, like, I, I, I didn't feel as though you were fully surprised when you came down the stairs. And I was, <laughs> okay. And what I had been doing is when I had been working on the role, I hadn't thought about it. I was going to be coming downstairs. So frankly, what I was thinking about when we shot the scene the first time was, I don't want to fall down these stairs. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about oh my God, I, I need to dump the garbage and it's night and what is my son doing? So when I was able to translate all of the life that had just happened and was able to hold onto the railing, then I didn't have to worry about uh, any of those things as I walked down the stairs and was surprised when I saw the cops at my garbage. Yeah. And so stage is, um, there's a freedom and a, um, uh, an excitement of being in the moment and living life continuously, which you don't have in film and TV. Uh, <laughs> and there's also the thrill of doing film and TV when you actually, I was on a, a set in a Red Hook, Brooklyn, and uh, there was a police car that was pulling in and you know, the horns going. And there was um, uh, uh, my heart pounding at the, the thrill of all of that. But there's still the, the energy of the stage and the audience being there and the, um, um, the danger of it being in that moment. Because there's no take two. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, just, I just love the stage. But um, to be able to do them all is, is um, to go from one medium to the next is just, uh, that's, um, that's what I want to continue doing. So we've all survived the pandemic and we are not out of it by any means, but we're on the, the downhill of it. We're all vaccinated and, you oh, know, well, hopefully, hopefully. Well, well, we are, yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so the zoom theater reading zoom plays, do you think that's something that's, um, that's going to stay in some capacity or are, are we all over it and we're ready to get back? I know we went to a reading at the Road Theater a while back. And what I said was, I forgot how much I missed just the atmosphere of the theater, just the, you know, I don't care that I'm wearing a mask. Like that doesn't bother me one bit. Like I just didn't realize how much I missed the, the whole essence of being in a live theater with people even though it wasn't a it was a reading it wasn't you know a big production it was still 
real people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So what do you think, where do you think we're going with the Zoom thing? Is it maybe rehearsals and more on Zoom? Or what do you, what do you think we're going to, where do you think this is going? The, the good part about Zoom is that more people can see it mm-hmm. wherever they are. And at this point, there's still, the numbers are so high for um, COVID. I, I don't think that um, it's Zoom theater is going away so yeah. soon. And when I was in New York, I, I went to three shows and um, I was nervous and we went to uh, Pasadena Playhouse to see Head Over Heels, which is just pure joy and, and very goofy. And, but I was nervous while I was yeah. there. I was very nervous. And um, I don't know that I'd run to a full production where everybody was sitting next to each other, even at the road, because uh, it's there. I, I just, I hate to say that I, if everybody is uh, not seated, um, if everyone's next to each other, I mean, yeah. Peggy and I know each other and we know we're both vaccinated. And so hopefully neither of us will have breaking cases, but it's, um, I think Zoom has given us a chance to see some really interesting um, uh, performances. And it, no, it's not like live theater. Head Over Heels uh, was, it was pretty exciting to, to be in a theater with live stuff. There's no question about it. And there's such imaginative things being done on Zoom that it's, it doesn't make up for it. And the stuff I saw in New York, uh, Dana H. Um, and uh, beautiful. Yeah, Dana yeah. H. And um, it was a new Raj Joseph's play. Uh, I forgot the name of um, Letters from Sarish, which was wonderful. A friend of mine was in it. And the third one was um, Martina um, um, uh, Mar- Marioka. I think in her name wrong, Sanctuary City, which was quite extraordinary. And uh, that was safe. It was distance seating mm-hmm. and that made it really much more comfortable. Yeah. So um, on set, was it pretty much, uh, I mean, SAG's pretty strict on how they're making everyone test. And if you're not on camera, it's mask on and all the crew's mask and shield. And even though your scene was outside, you felt fairly safe um, this last. Well, with um, uh, Law and Order, it was inside. Uh-huh. Uh, two of the scenes were inside and we did have masks on and then masks off. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that felt just fine and makeup trailer and uh, uh, costume and stuff, everybody. We were tested, I was tested six times and um, I was in New York. I mean, it, you know, <laughs> we're on a subway. I mean, I, yeah. I did not take public transportation too often, but uh, no, I felt, I mean, I was, every time I took a test, I was holding my breath. Yeah. But um, it, they, the Law and Order is very, very careful about what they do yeah and uh, i think most sets are right now i think they're well we would like to think that anyway well america and i did a a short film which i'm not so sure how how safe they were but we're we're praying yes 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 well (laughs) what um what tip would you like to give actors as far as um just pursuing 
pursuing their career, you know, in this day and age that we're living in. Um, I know, I know one of the tips you're going to say is get training. We've talked about that, but what, what would you like to, uh, train? Yes. Uh, Uh, another thing would be uh, find a support group of people, you know, cheerleaders that uh, surround yourself with people who are um, of like mind, not just about uh, becoming stars, but people who, you know, figure out what it is that you want in your life, what it is that you think acting um, is going to do for the world, why you want to be an actor. What actors do you want to emulate? Because I think that the importance to me is about why did you want to be an actor in the first place? And I feel that there is a a really life statement about we as actors are the the shaman, the the storytellers, the, um, uh, I have the possibility as an actor and as a teacher of creating uh, a different kind of world, of making a difference in the world, of waking people up, of making them laugh, of making them see themselves. What is it that you can do? And if you surround yourself with like minds, then you can also create things uh, together when you're not working. So I am pretty much, even if I'm not earning something, doing something with, mm-hmm. you know, with a, a, a series. Um, I am reaching out to other people and saying, you got something for me? Or is there, I have no, a lot of playwrights. I go to a playwrights festival every summer where I teach and act. And I have reached out to a number of the playwrights and said, do you have a monologue I can work on? And I videotaped a a DVR, whatever, at least two or three of them. And they're on uh, my website or they've been put on Facebook and Instagram. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have a teacher, actor, coach, friend of mine uh, uh, Peggy and my husband and I did a one act of hers and we're working on, uh, we did a second one. We're still in process with that one. And so I'm constantly looking for more things that I can do. And that's what I urge you to do that to sit around and go on me, I'm not getting, uh, seen and I can't get, it's not fair and moan and groan is you are responsible for your life as well as responsible for the work you do or don't do. And in the Stone Age, when I was first uh, in the business, it was very different than it is now. And I know Instagram and social media and all of this stuff is, is a very different animal. But I still think that personal relationships are what it's it's really about. So um, to reach out and see who's in your camp, mm-hmm. who you want to play with, uh, um, and to really try to make the world and the industry a better place and think about what kind of projects you want to get involved with. I think um, sometimes just as humans, no matter what, what our walk of life is, but especially actors get so um, engulfed in the survival mode, like I've got to get a job, I've got to pay my bills, like, that they forget their, their just statement, I just want to be an actor because... <laughs> And I think a lot of times, so I think everything you just said was so important that remember why you're doing this, like what, why this is what you love. You get to do this and you get to make an impact and, and you don't, you don't have, we live in a day and age where 
everybody can put something on film, whether it's, mm-hmm. whether it's just with their cell phone, they can put mm-hmm. a decent little production together. They can work on it. They can see how they look on camera and they can actively be working on their craft, mm-hmm. whether they're paid to go on set or mm-hmm. not, they can actively be doing that. And so I think that's really important. And I think the other thing is to find, uh, my shirt keeps pulling, shirt keeps pulling, um, and it's baggy. Uh, find a part-time or full-time job that's flexible enough that you're not feeling resentful whenever you have to work. And I know there's some people who say, get a job that you hate because it will force you to go after your <laughs> acting work. But I think that's um, absurd. And the point is that there is no rhyme or reason sometimes why you don't book a job. And I can sit around and go, I gave this great audition and I gave that great audition. And then I may see the person who booked the job and it may not make any sense to me why that person booked the job. And it may be that they just really liked the person's eyes or that day uh, I reminded them of someone's ex or that we don't know all the time why we didn't book the job. But I need to know that I can pay my bills otherwise I'm going to be obsessing about what I'm doing each day. And so that goes into being able to self-tape or find a friend who can help you self-tape because that's the name of the game now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. we were talking before we went on camera and, and you started to tell me something and we decided, wait, we're going to save this so that you all get to hear the story. We were talking about representation. All right. So, so tell us the story. Because I'm excited to hear it. So let me pull down my shirt. The very long shirt. Okay. So I've had many agents and managers um, over the course of, you know, 50 years. And uh, the manager I have now, the very sweet man. And I had known him when he was in casting. And I had submitted myself for a project he was doing. And it was going to be for a benefit for uh, Malali. Uh-huh. Uh, and I was very excited about the project and it was a play that had been written by one of his um, clients. And there were four women in a doctor's office. One woman was a soap star and she wanted to get a facelift. One woman wanted to get a nose job, I guess. I forget what she did for a living. One woman was wanted a boob job and one woman wanted, had just, she worked in the office had just gotten her neck done. And this was probably about eight years ago, I think, when I was going to Australia to teach. Howard had a a studio, has a studio in um, Australia. And so I was going to get seen for the soap star or one one of the different roles. Uh uh And Will called me and said, we've cast that role with a soap star. So we want you to come in for the, um, uh, the role of the receptionist who had a neck job. And I said, but I don't have a good neck. And I had had a manager who used to say to me, Laurie, you look like you're only 50 years old, but you got an old neck. You got an old neck. And that's what she used to say to me. You got an old neck, Laurie, you got an old neck. And so I, I didn't know what to do because I said, well, I, I have an old neck. So I went to the Cinema Secrets, which is no longer. Uh-huh. And I got, we were talking about rubber bands because I was looking at my neck. And so I got this rubber band thing that pulled my neck back. So you see that? Pull my <laughs> neck back. And I went in. And I did this audition and it's about this, this woman, it was a great role. And the character was just really, you know, it was a lot like me, but with the neck pulled back. And 
she was funny, but she was very moving and she had a relationship with her daughter, which just wasn't working. And I had two casting directors, Will and his partner, and the writer and the producer crying and we were all crying and laughing. I mean, it was one of the best auditions I have, I've done in my life. And uh, the next day, Will called me and he said, you, I just have to tell you, your audition was phenomenal. Wow. You had us on the floor. You were just extraordinary. It was just one of the most moving things I've ever seen. But we had to cast a soap star because we're casting all soap stars. And But when you get back from Australia, will you please call me because I want to represent you. Wow. So... I have been with Will for it's about eight or nine years now. And I, I love him uh, and I've stayed with him. I'm, I'm one of those, I'm very faithful if somebody has integrity, which I believe he does. And, um, and I've been with um, the agent that I'm with now, with him with the, for about three years. We've, we've gone through a few, one other agent didn't believe in my, um, taking weekends off to teach or a week off to teach. And she was someone who would send me out for one line and then send me out for a guest star. And I just didn't feel that she represented who mm -hmm. I was. So I left her, but, um, uh, but she got me auditions. She just wasn't always for things I felt were appropriate. So um, that's my story about uh, representation. And, yeah. Well, and representation is so tough because, you know, you've got to find that gel. It's like any other relationship. Yeah. And then you've got to nurture that relationship and keep it warm and fresh and alive. So they keep remembering to, you know, <laughs> submit you. So that's, a, that's something I think we could do like a whole long yeah. show on is, is that. So that, that was a great story though. Yeah. I love that. That's funny. Okay. Yeah. Another thing I want to mention before we close because I know this is something that's very important to you. And it's also something dogs. that, no. okay, yes, right. dogs. <laughs> it's also yeah. something which Merrick is in the back playing with, with your dog right now, right. which isn't very fair, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but um, is, is that you work a lot with disabled actors and you help disabled actors, you know, real, real actors get out and show and just be actors. They don't have to get in a role because they're in a wheelchair, but they could be an attorney in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. They could be, you know, whatever. And I know you do a lot of work with that community. And so do you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, I was um, working with disabled actors or differently abled or whatever term they want to use right now uh, before it was cool. And uh, it was probably 25 years ago. And I, um, I first saw Children of a Lesser God and was just fascinated with um sign language and I started learning uh, sign language then. And I um, started, I guess, uh, I did children, two, two productions of Children of a Lesser God and played the mother and I just just fell in love with sign language and I dated a deaf actor with, with um, and uh, we did another production together. And then um, I um, started doing workshops at the Road Theater, which was about 25, 26 years ago, where we were having, um, there was a man, a great guy, his friend of ours, Jack Patterson, who had had a stroke and uh, some other health things. And he's a wonderful actor and teacher. And we were running 
uh, an acting class Thursdays for the community and for disabled actors. So we had all different kinds of actors. And then I was going up to Berkeley for media access was part of, it was an organization that was a, at the time the liaison between the disabled community and uh, the, the business. And it's no longer. Um, uh, but the woman, they disbanded that about five years ago, six years ago. And the woman who ran that became the agent of KMR, uh, Gail Williamson. Uh -huh. And so at a, before that happened, I was at Media Access. I, we had a room. They gave me money and I got furniture and I was teaching Uta Hagen's technique to disabled actors. And I was doing, um, it was fabulous. I was doing uh, classes there and classes up in Berkeley and classes in San Francisco, classes in um, all over for actors with disability. And I would go to auditions and I would say, I don't care about my audition. You need to start to see actors with disability. And I go into um, sit in and co I was coaching all these actors with another actor uh, director, David Zimmerman. And we were doing classes at EDD. And I would go in and say to these people, you got they didn't know what to do with me. And things started to change about seven years ago. And suddenly things started to, they started to listen. It wasn't because of me. I was, in, I was one of the people at the frontier. And last, right before the pandemic, I started another class with disabled actors. And right now, a number of them are uh, starting to, not just because of me, are starting to work. One is Shannon um, DeVito, and she she's one of the original Teenage Dick. She was, uh, one of the roles was written, I believe, for her. And another one is Patrick um, Toombs, who is going to do a new show at Delaware Theatre Company. He's fantastic. And uh, another one, Danny uh, Gomez, just won uh, a while ago, he won the um, uh, Christopher Reeve Scholarship. And I mean, I have, there's a lot of my old students who have done very, very well. And they're uh, not because of me, because they've just been training and thank God the, the um, industry has been really um, uh, finally, finally doing something. To yeah, open their eyes. And it's not because of me. I mean, I've been a part of it, but um, the wave is, is much, has taken, it's taken off uh, way since I, first got involved and I'm very happy about it. Yeah, I'm I'm really happy to see it's it's baby steps, but at least yeah. we're well at least it's steps. Yeah. Baby steps are better than no steps, yeah. which no, seemed right. like what it was for a really yeah. long time. Yeah. It's incredible. It's really great. Well Laura, it was so fun to chat with yeah, you. Yeah, fun to chat with you. <laughs> Thank you so Ain't much. Ain't she great? <laughs> and it's so so cool that you could be my first uh, guest yeah. for the season. That's so. my pleasure. Yay. All yeah. right. So in the description is all the information you need about Laura, all of her links, follow her on social media. Give her a call and jump in one of her um, coaching. You coach for auditions. You also teach classes. Right. You have a lot of stuff going on and it's all, there's links in the description. So right. get a hold of her, follow her, stalk, don't stalk her, but don't stalk in a her, nice, nice way, in nice a nice way. way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, find out all about Laura. And most importantly, have an amazing week. I'll see you next week. Text or call today so that we can get you effective headshots that you can use as part of your marketing strategy. Headshots by Peggy, how can I help you?